Hello, Marvelites. You are listening to Marvel's The Pull List for new comics on sale April 10th, 2019. And I'm Ryan, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. And can I remind you to spay and neuter your pets, folks? Yeah. It's that time of the year. <laughs> ba-da, ba-da, ba-da. <laughs> I had a conversation immediately before this record about The Price is Right. And so it's fresh on my mind. Triple P does not understand at all what we're talking about. And maybe you don't either, dear listener. <laughs> if you are here for talk about all the new comics out this week, the single issues, the digitals, the collections, all that stuff, we're going to get to it. But sometimes you just got to celebrate the classics like The Price is Come Right. Come on. So good. I think uh, a lot of our listeners know who follow the Marvel Comics writers. We just had the creative retreat uh, as we are recording this, uh, which will have been the previous week Mm -hmm. as you guys listen to this. So a lot of fun ideas and big things. Tucker, you got to sit in a little bit on it, uh, uh, which has got to be fun. Yeah, just like taking full advantage of that as much as possible. Like coming in, trying to just motor through all of my work and my articles and everything, and then just trying to jump in there as quick as possible. It's the best. I mean, it's really, it can be like, totally jaw-dropping to look around. I'm sure some of our listeners can imagine, but just like looking around and being like, there's Jason Aaron, there's Jerry Duggan, there's Kelly Thompson, there's Matt Rosenberg, there's, you know, Other, all, all yeah, these amazing like, people. I don't want to say too much. Names, yes. Yeah, because there's always some secrets. Some yes, exactly. But, but you know, it's the, uh, it's the usual suspects as well as a few amazing... Uh, highlights and surprises but yeah it's just it's just an amazing time and amazing energy to be around yeah it's 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 really cool you know when we listen to al ewing talk about his plans for immortal hulk so cool it's just like oh can i have it all right now i know like do i I have to wait till 2021 for some of these projects like Like, it's crazy things yeah they 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 plan out far ahead but we're not here to talk about 2021. Yes. We are here to talk about our new comics out this week. Tucker, kick it off. All right. We're starting with Age of Conan, Belit, Queen of the Black Coast, number two. And it's written by Tina Howard with art by Kate Nimchik, colors by Jason Keith, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. This is such a great seafaring story. And ultimately, as a huge fan of Teeny, I kind of see her in Belit a little bit, just like this awesome, badass hero who is, in this story, kind of taking control of this pirate ship, of this really awesome cast of, you know, salty pirate types and things like that, coming up against a lot along the way, but that's what this book is all about, that's what it needs to be all about, and that is, you know, absolutely how it delivers on that front, just having a ton of fun. Yeah, I, I think um, there's a bunch of really fun sequences in here. One I really loved was inside the captain's quarters. Belit goes in and she's, you know, putting on some of the jewels that are in there, some like playing around with some of the makeup and stuff. And it's the sequence that Teeny talked about at, I think it was C2E2, mm-hmm. where it's like a six panel, half page. And she's like flashing to herself being older, to being. Right the captain to being the fierce warrior that she is in her mind already. But this is the reality. It it like reminded me of almost like a Wes Anderson moment where, you know, it's like a character straight on and like that feeling that like sense of unease, but like portentous. Yeah. I think that's a great note because I feel like that and the story. And like I said, this hero is reflective of 
Teeny's journey right now with Marvel, just jumping in, going for it, saying, this is who I am, this is what I'm doing, and just leading themselves, you know what I mean? Just being like, I know what I want, and just taking it. And uh, yeah, I'm just a huge fan. And she also said that she writes the sea shanties that the the crew sings in the book. Which is really neat. If anybody ever puts the sea shanties to like actual song, yeah. let us know. Come on. Please. We want to hear it. All right. Up next is Age of X-Men, Apocalypse, and the Extracts, number two. And it is written by Tim Seeley, art by Salva Espin, colors by Israel Silva, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So this issue uh, has a whole bunch of things going on, but there's a really neat villain squad who shows up in here. Uh, It's got this guy called the Siberian and his crew who dress all in black and come out of the shadows. I just thought they were really neat. I want to like, I was like, I want to, I want to see more. I think my favorite thing about this is iBoy being a super awesome, badass mod spy, secret agent dude. He looks so cool. He acts so cool. It's neat. He's a dude with all these different eyes, and some of the eyes have powers they can see in different ways. And so seeing him be really neat is is a lot of fun. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, elsewhere in the Age of X-Man-iverse is the Marvelous X-Men number three, which is written by the architects of it all, Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler, with art by Marco Faya. Colors by Matt Mila and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Reading these back to back is always so much fun with these Age of X-Men books and with Apocalypse and the Extracts. It's kind of got this really funky psychedelic tone and look to the book. And then when I jump to Marvelous X-Men here, and rightfully so, as it's written by Zach and Lonnie, this feels really like the heart of what's going on here in a way, in an emotional sense, because there's a few scenes here that I'm thinking of specifically between Storm and Magneto that really hit home, that kind of bring the principles at play here to a head and really allows us to analyze this situation, these characters, their takes on it in a really interesting way. So just continuously fascinating. And I, and I really felt it hit home, especially with this one. Yeah, there's a Colossus thread going through these that I'm yeah. like, that's the core of it for yeah. me right there. Yeah. Oof, oof. All right, up next is Amazing Spider-Man number 19. It is part three of Hunted. It is written by Nick Spencer, art by Gerardo Sandoval, with colors by Edgar Delgado and Eric Arciniega. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. I uh, just want to make sure, did y'all read the Gibbon tie-in last Come week? On. Whew. What a book. Uh, that is a one-off that feeds directly into this issue, although it is not necessary, as we said last week, but you'll get the gist of the story in here. But hopefully this issue say, tells you like, you know what, maybe I should go back and check yeah. out that 18.hu. Yeah. All the various threads that are going on here. You have Craven and his creepo buff son. <laughs> uh, and you've got the mystery. Hang on, can you repeat that adjective noun combo for a sec? You mean Craven and his creepo buff son? Oh, Buff Sons. Yeah. This is the welcome to the Buff Son episode. Hey, of we're going to talk about <laughs> Creepo Buff Sons this week. Next week, we're going to talk about, I don't know, what, what other Buff Sons can we talk about? <laughs> Who is the buffest son in the Marvel Universe? Oh, the buffest. It's got to be Thor, right? He really is. He's like is. the most notable buff guy and the most notable son. He's got all them arms and <laughs> abs and legs. The buffest son. For sure. Yeah. 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 I think Thor is a good one. Yeah. And, and Big Daddy Odin is just Come sort on. of like, I got my ravens. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's just how <laughs> Odin sounds, right? 
Anyway, back to Hunted. Uh, There's, uh, aside from Creepo Buff's son, the mystery (laughs) of why Craven is doing all this uh, is really, really neat. And that's something that's going on. But then you also have Black Cat and Lil Baby Lizard Boy. Mm-hmm. We got Creepo Buff Sons and Lil Baby Lizard Boys. <laughs> this issue has There's amazing everything. like rhythms going on in those. Yeah. Nice. Uh, you got Spidey stuck in the midst of Animal Villain Town, which is a, a really fun moment. But I think most of all, what I like about this issue is Vulture, like his place in this, working to lead all the villains and defeat the gross hunters. But he, there's one point where he's telling the story to get everybody on his side. And he tells his version of Gibbon's story. And I wanted to just, like, shiv the vulture. Yeah. It's so messed up. It's really funny if it wasn't so damn sad. Yeah. And I got so angry at him, at him here. It's just like, uh, But uh, there's no Humberto Ramos art here. But Gerardo does do such a great job with those animals and the hulking people like the massivity of it all his lizard and his rhino just so cool yeah totally agree the art really stand out on that one for me as well and i love i love the way nick writes vulture he's like just so evil so bad yeah up next is as guardians of the galaxy number eight written by cullen bond with art by matteo lowly colors by federico blee and letters by vcs Corey. Pettit. I think this is the first War of the Realms tie-in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, alphabetically, and since issue one came out last week, yeah, yeah. this is the first one, not the last one. Uh, you know, no you, way, no, not even close, not by a long shot. <laughs> we got a lot, but it, it it's good. They are well told, well thought out, yeah. really fun. There's you know a, a little bit of Asgard in this issue, uh, the, but we really get into the big first battle of New York City. So this like dives us right into the events of War of the Realms number one, but it has maybe one of the saddest moments of comics this week when Throg goes to see his frog, like others, like all the other frogs in Central Park in his pond where he's yeah. where he's from. He goes yeah. basically goes back to his hometown to find that his hometown is burned down to the ground. All of his friends and family are husks and they're dead and these Muspelheim demons are just running around being like, ah, we win. It is horrifying. There's a (laughs) shot of poor little Throg holding a burned, like, dead frog in his arms. Like when you see, like, on asphalt in, like, the summer. (laughs) It's so awful. Then he gets angry. I know. It was cool. It was cool seeing that. Uh, Cullen Bunn, adore him. He is a monster. He is a (laughs) terrible, gnarly evil monster uh there's a great fun moment in here with punisher side by side with scourge and punisher's like here you're gonna need this and he gives him a gun and then they go fight and yeah like rah 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 but there's some really interesting valkyrie stuff that is going to tie into war of the realms Mm -hmm. uh number two especially next week nice next up is avengers no road home number nine which is written by Jim Zub, Mark Wade, and Al Ewing, with art by Paco Medina, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. You know, I was thinking about this issue. This issue actually came to mind when we were talking about Buff Sons. Buff Sons! Because a lot of this issue, um, the heart of it, again, is really all about Hercules, and there is some amazing stuff in this issue with really big moves in this battle against Nyx are made here and led in a big way by Hercules. You know, I think he has this elevated mode of speech. He has this kind of regal air about him, but 
I love the way that Jim, Mark, and Al have really given him this core that feels so relatable, and it was almost heartbreaking at times. It was a really, really wonderful issue and really kind of came from a character that I didn't expect to see deliver that kind of punch. There's a heartbreaking bit in here for me with Vision because yeah. somebody's like, what do you want? And Vision's like, I don't want for anything. I'm dying and I'm going to be with my wife and my son. And like I, that moment just was so much. Yeah. And it like landed so hard for me. It was so good. I love that. I want to talk about the next issue really quickly for a second. But in this issue, the first page, it opens up with this Avengers world team that I want so much more of. Because you got Blue Marvel leading it. You've mm -hmm. got America Chavez. You've got the Wasp. Then you get Tony Ho. You get Living Lightning, who had his star turn in the last Avengers Weekly. But then you get Pod 2, which <laughs> is this really cool twist on the Pod character that Al wrote in New Avengers and Avengers, the U.S. Avengers. Then you get Gomi and Bill the Lobster from Fallen Angels, which most people will be like, why is there a little lobster dude there? <laughs> it's the weirdest coolest deepest cut and it made me so happy to see it al ewing is i don't know why i attribute this to al because you know what jim like and mark are also like as the most esoteric knowledge yeah. deeply yeah. entrenched in all of this so yeah. any one of them could have put that in there it's so good but i i want to say and I, I know we're not talking about it in full yet but next week's the last issue of mm -hmm. avengers no road home i read that on the subway in this morning i got choked up mm -hmm. it is one of the most beautiful big Marvel celebratory hero moment. I'm so excited for you to read it and for everybody to check it out. It is damn good comics. Nice. Next up, we have Captain Marvel number four, which is written by Kelly Thompson with art by Carmen Carnero, colors by Tomer Bonvillain, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This is the big throwdown between Captain Marvel and Rogue. We are deep in this kind of battle bubble, we'll call it. Battle bubble. Which is on Hashtag the battle bubbles and buff suns. Yeah, that's it. That's what it's all about. And it, we're uh, kind of stuck on the weird commune that is Roosevelt Island. And what's kind of really the most fun about this issue, though, and you can really tell that Kelly, one, she's, you know, like we were talking about with Al, Jim, and Mark. She is a huge fan of these things and is obviously drawing from a very deep well when it comes to Carol Danvers and their history. They have had a very tumultuous past, and we get to see the kind of gladiatorial mix-em-up here between these two characters, which feels huge and epic and also kind of terrible at the same time, just because it's like, you know, it's these two characters that we love, but... Uh, kind of to see it positioned in this way is is also just awesome. I also want to give just one really quick shout out to Carmen Carnero, who has just leapt into this series and just taken it by the horns immediately uh, and is just crushing. I mean, I'm a huge fan and uh, yeah, just couldn't be more impressed. Just, you know, like I said, four issues off the bat, but just killing it. Heck yeah. Yeah. All right. Up next is Dead Man Logan number six. And it is my... First pick of the week. Heck yeah. It is written by Ed Brisson, art by Mike Henderson, colors by Nolan Woodard, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. This is like, this is a threshold issue in this series. I sat down with the creative team on this book several months ago. Percy was there with me, 
and we talked about the kind of overall shape of this story, we used some of it for a really cool interview on Marvel.com, but I encouraged them to talk about the entire story all the way through because they're, you know, this is the death of this beloved character, and I wanted to hear their thoughts on every single beat of the story, not just kind of the early pitch. So we held a lot back, and that'll be up on Marvel.com soon, but not too soon, because, again, a lot of it is super spoilery. Like I said, I'm talking about this because this is a really, really big issue of this series for me so far. It is, I don't want to say why or how, but this is the this is the kind of, liminal moment where everything changes for this character in his journey where huge strides are taken towards his goal what he has recently learned are his true goals what he's really after this is really hard to dance around there are like three big things that I really want to talk about in here that I also don't think I can one of them is crazy and awesome and it's something that Ed was talking about he was Speaking with Jordan D. White, editor of the X-Books, he was like, they had to literally find 15 minutes where these two characters could overlap and have a conversation. It was awesome to see that realized. I love that scene in this book. So good. Yeah, um, sorry we're being so vague. We, yeah. like, part of the, the thing is like not wanting to spoil yeah. the story for not just you readers, but also for the creators. Yeah. Because they put this together yeah. and they don't want for you not to have those moments. Yeah, absolutely. There's another moment that is extremely emotional and beautiful and completely unexpected with a character like Old Man Logan, who is just as hardened as a guy can be. But there's just this beautiful moment that I overheard you talking with Ed about. I had to tell Ed how amazing this moment was. Like I saw Ed at the retreat and I was like, Ed, I'm just going to say it because this one, like it makes, I'm not going to get into detail, but there's a moment between Glob Mm -hmm. and old man Logan that just the emotional like impact of a, it's another like four or six panels mm-hmm. like the storytelling of Mike Henderson those subtle things that are, are done in those panels the way that body language is used the way that the physical emotion you see in on top of the dialogue it is perfect yeah it's perfect yeah it really is but this is like pure kind of iceberg theory th- stuff where it's just like they're saying very few words, but there is so much underneath all of them. There's so much history. There's so much emotion into it all, and you can feel it. Um, uh, yeah, this is absolutely one to read. Yeah, I don't know what happens next. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. I love not knowing. Yeah. It makes me so happy. Awesome. And next up, we have Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number five, which is written by the guy that is still somehow hanging around after his death cabin experience, Whew. one of the best Twitter threads I've ever read, yep. Mr. Tom Taylor. Go ahead and check that out. It's it's uh, it's on that Twitter.com. It is awesome, delightful, the best, um, uh, with art on this issue by Yildirai Sinar, colors by Nolan Woodard, and letters by VC's Travis Lanham. And it is my first pick of the week. Oh, yeah. Uh, man, this week is emotional. Like there's some, I had the same exact thought things happening. So this one, Peter learns may is fighting cancer Mm -hmm. and like everything else can go out the window. Like that is so hard for the person going through it, Mm -hmm. but it's also, it reverberates it. Like what it does to those around you. 
And this issue takes us like Tom takes it a big swerve with it. And there's a moment where I got angry. I was reading this and I was like, how dare you? Mm -hmm. Like, this is not okay. But I, at the same time, I kind of understood it. So this issue has essentially four scenes. You have Peter and May talking. You have Spider-Man on patrol. Spider-Man and someone at Doctor Strange's house. Mm -hmm. And a hospital scene. It's four simple bits to this story. And I went through a gamut of emotions reading this. I'm like, I'm angry at Peter in the beginning. I feel Spider-Man's frustrations and his and his rage when he's on patrol. Like, he's patrolling because he just has to get it out. Like, there's nothing yeah. else for him to do. He's like, you can feel how helpless, but something has to give. And I felt that. Like, I, then you get to a point where his you see his compassion come back. And that is Spider-Man. That is Peter. And then I... <laughs> You get to a point where you're giggling because it's Peter and his bad jokes. And then you get to this wonderful, very creepy Doctor Strange moment. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, Tom writing Doctor Strange. I like that. Give me more of that. Uh, And then you get this warm, happy heartbreak bit. And I sat back and I was like, friggin' Tom Taylor. I'm going to go to Australia and put you back in that damn cabin. I love him so much. It's just, this issue is a journey. It is magical. It's going to break your heart. It's going to lift you up. It's going to do all these things. And you got, on top of all that, this great art by Sinar, who's strange, looks really cool, especially with that new costume, that look. It's a really neat Spidey moment. There's this one where Spidey jumps on a car, and I was like, yeah, this is gnarly. Mm -hmm. I like it. Great issue, great series. Woo! Woo! So, Tucker, I'm trying to think of a good segue out of that issue into thanking our sponsor for this episode, Marvel MasterCard, because they're our advertiser. Uh, I have no good segue. I just want to tell our fans that uh, if you want to be the superhero of your life, you apply for the Marvel MasterCard. Learn how at marvelmastercard.com slash list. You could earn 3% cash back rewards paid as a statement credit on comic books, movies, restaurants, and more with the Marvel MasterCard. And 1% cash back rewards paid as a statement credit on all other purchases. There's no limit on the cash back rewards you can earn. You can enjoy special Marvel benefits like three months of a Marvel Unlimited subscription. As well, you can choose your superhero from one of six cool car designs like Iron Man, Black Panther, and Spider-Man, just to name a few. Visit marvelmastercard.com slash list to learn more and apply today. marvelmastercard.com slash L-I-S-T. All right. Our next book is Invaders Number 4, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Carlos Magno and Butch Geis, with colors by Alex Gumarares, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So this one is the secret history of the Submariner. I love it. Gimme, gimme, gimme. More, more, more. And it is also very tragic and upsetting. So a lot of things happening in my heart this week. (laughs) Uh, It really shows you how much Namor has been through over the decades. Because he's very old. He ages very slowly. But, man, one of the things, you know, everybody thinks of, ah, Namor is just full of rage and anger and all Mm -hmm. this other stuff. Yeah, that is true. He's got the rage, he's got the anger, he's got a confusion, but he's also got such heart and compassion. Mm. The heart and compassion is what fuels the rage and the anger most yeah. of the time because he's so friggin' pissed off at the people who are hurting his people. Right. Like, no matter whether it's his people who are the soldiers he, he's with or the family that he stays with or just his larger people, as in the Atlanteans, 
he doesn't want to see them struggle. And so you get some of that here where he's aging slowly. He's seeing people die. He sees people kill and destroy other people. And it's just like he doesn't understand it. Mm -hmm. It, To me, it's such a very relatable viewpoint. Like, why? Yeah. Why all of this? It's intense. And in, in the course of all this, this issue sees how much he's been manipulated, how his mind has been twisted around, what happened to him, all the many times he's been off the radar, how other people have been trying to help him. And I think this is the story that so many people need to read yeah. to understand why I like, I, yeah, I joke about sexy Namor, but it, he's so much more than that. Sexy Namor is just the gag to get you in and be mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, I want to learn more about the guy with the wings on his feet. Yeah. He's so cool. He's so powerful. He's so sad. Yeah. This is one of the great things about us going back through the decades and reading some classic Marvel comics because was it the first appearance of Namor that we read that one time? Yeah, Marvel Comics number one. Yeah, yeah. That's why those old issues are like so shockingly good is because there are so many layers built into these characters right from the beginning. And that's why those original creators all get, you know, lauded in the way they do because if I'm remembering correctly, doesn't Namor like save a woman and her child? And then, like, immediately get, like, really angry and, like, call, like, all humans, like, swine or something and, like, goes off or something. That's in a later story, but yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, all right, yeah. yeah. That, that's the, the Namor-Human Torch crossover yes. where he's, like, there's a woman who drops her baby and keeps running because the, the elephants are going to stampede. Yeah, he's yeah. like, what the hell is wrong right. with you humans? Right. He's so upset. He picks up the baby, gives the baby to a person, <laughs> and then the guy's like, hey, you know what? Maybe that Namor's not so bad after all. Namor's like, shut up, jerk. <laughs> yeah. You're all terrible. Right. This is why I love this character. And I think it's like, like I said, it's all contained in those early stories. And then when it's fleshed out and built into these like amazing, like huge operatic tales like here in Invaders, it's just like, I think Invaders is like absolutely the book that is giving, this Invader series is giving Namor his due. And it, it's a, scratching that itch. It's so good. Big shouts to Butch Geis on this one, who is a damn master. He does all the flashback stuff in this issue, which most of this issue is flashback. Gritty, emotional, painful, very realistic art, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I wanted to point out. There's a panel of Johnny Storm burning off Namor's beard, which is a pull from Fantastic Four, issue number four, when Namor comes back and you know all this other stuff. Classic issue. But the way it's done in this looks so cool. It looks like a still from a movie. Mm-hmm. It's, in such a way that, like, if this was in a film, I would be like, I can't believe it's yeah. happening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, I love it. Uh, next up this week, we have Savage Sword of Conan, number four. It's written by Jerry Duggan with art by Ron Garney, colors by Richard Eisenhoff, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. This is The Cult of Kogathun, part four, Trial of the Eagle. Really, for me, I mean... I've spoken about it before. This series just feels like an amazing opportunity for Jerry just to lean in the most ways into like every kind of epic turn of phrase moment, sword swinging, kind of just like covered in sweat and blood, epic, awesome thing that he can think of. That's what the series is for me. I mean, the, the first page is this sick splash page of Conan bringing his sword down on this this kind of uh, skeleton mystic skeleton cult monster and it's just it's just the coolest yeah no I, I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt no, you no, but no. I wanted to point out this page in particular because the way that Ron Garney Ron Garney and Richard 
Izanov together work is so spectacular because Ron uses a lot of very thick blacks mm. in his work, but oftentimes you see an, uh, an artist who takes a, a line, you know, like a dark line to draw through something to show something like energy or whatever it is. But here there's so much black and the black is used, not the line. He They use color to show like the sparks, the energy, the flash and the way it breaks through. There's no line between them. It's, it's a hard thing to describe, but it is so yeah. visceral and mm -hmm. intense And in that page. Like I'm looking at it upside down and it is so clear of what is being done right there. It yeah. is so intense. I think this this page really sums up my thoughts on this book because it's all about Garni and Aizanov. Like if you told me this issue was done by a Juan Ferreira or uh, you know an Alex Ross or something where it, you know it's one of these artists that does pencils, inks, colors all themselves, I would completely believe you because it's just so seamless. It works so perfectly, but that just speaks to the talent and the power of these these artists. Heck yeah. And this that book it gets me more excited even for Savage Avengers. Yeah. Jerry writing with like Conan and Voodoo and, yeah. and, and Punisher and Wolverine and Electra and like I can't wait. Yeah, I know. I can't wait. All right. Up next is Spider-Man Deadpool number 49, written by Robbie Thompson, art by Jim Toe, inks by Sean Parsons, ink assists by Scott Hanna and Jim Toe, with colors by Brian Reber and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. And so this is the quest to locate and destroy the fourth wall. I love it. It's just <laughs> yeah. so good. There's two major moments in this, which like, I think will give everyone a chuckle. There's a panel of Deadpool and the Fantastic Four, where he says, they're finally under the same banner which is a really nice <laughs> wink and nod to real-life events. Mm -hmm. I loved that. And then there's Deadpool with an Infinity Gauntlet, which I tweeted out because I just loved it so much. So good. This is the second-to-last issue of the series, which has been one of my favorites from the last few years. The revelation at the end is a delight. Mm -hmm. uh, I know they're just going out big. Yeah. Next up, we have Star Wars Age of Rebellion Grand Moff Tarkin number 1. Not Grand Ma Tarkin. Grand Moff Tarkin, uh, and that's written by Greg Pak with art by Mark Lamming, colors by Jordan Boyd and Niraj Minan with letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So, Tucker, yes. before you proceed any further, yes. one, I have to point out Triple P's just look of disgust <laughs> when you were trying to make that joke. It was really good. But two... I don't know any. What is the sort of order of moths in the Star Wars universe? Oh, is there boy. an order of moths? There absolutely is. Great. And I am not the one to define Dang it, what Tucker. those. I know. I feel like uh, maybe a good place to do that research would be the Thrawn adaptation that Jody Hauser did because that's kind of what that's all about. It's like. Who's who is more in charge, the Grand Admiral or the Grand I'm Moff? I'm more concerned about moths. Yeah, yeah. I need I need <laughs> what are to, all these moths. Like, off let's have some moth talk. I need to know what's moth happening. Talk. You know, moth talk with hit us uh, up with that hashtag moth talk. Yeah, like <laughs> do you start out as a junior moth? Yeah. Do you have like an assistant moth? Is there an associate moth? Right. Is there you know like a managerial moth? <laughs> is there a moth director? Like where does this go? Yeah. How do you how many moth steps do you? take to get to be Grand Moth? You know, I do have a short answer for that, and that is follow the money. Anyway, <laughs> um, this is an awesome story because we get like the secret history of Grand Moth Tarkin, which was so shocking and unexpected for me reading this, getting to know his past and his kind of upbringing. And as well, look, I'm bearing the lead here. We see a shirtless Grand Moth Tarkin in this <laughs> issue. 
Whoa, that dude is ripped. And he is <laughs> scarred. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> um, it's a really cool issue because Grand Moff Tarkin paid a really pivotal part of the last few issues of Darth Vader, the, the Charles Soule series that only recently ended. And I just love seeing this character just like pissed off and like looking to like take his anger out on somebody or something, but also being calculated. And it's, it's great character. And I think Greg and the team did a great job. Yeah. Uh, there's um, a pitch I want to throw out to you, Tucker. Oh boy. So I'm a producer for a trashy TV station in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. I'm going to put together a movie. Do you watch it? It is called Ripped and Scarred, the Grand Moff Tarkin story. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Are you kidding me? Yes. One million percent. <laughs> we are making this movie. <laughs> All right, let's do it. All right. Up next is Star Wars Age of Rebellion, Princess Leia in a story called Princess Scoundrel. Also written by Greg Pak with art by Chris Browse and Carl Story uh, on about half the issue with Will Sliney, Mark Deering, and Carl Story on the other half of the issue. Colors by Tamara Bonvalane. Letters by VCs Travis Lanham. This one, almost one of my picks of the week. It's really cool because it situates between Empire and Jedi, actually filling in a big gap in my personal knowledge. Mm -hmm. Maybe this has been addressed previously in other Star Wars stories, but it's how Leia got the bounty hunter gear that right. she wears at the beginning of Return of the Jedi when she goes to get Han back. And so it's really cool. Like It's how she gets that gear, what their plan was, how they set up the Han rescue, connecting with uh, Lando, all this stuff. Yeah. It's like such fertile ground to cover. Chris Browse, one of the most elegant and gorgeous pencilers in comics. Just really cool, giving you these classic comics looks. But having him do it with Star Wars is such a nice touch. Warm and detailed, really, really fun stuff. And then at one point, sort of like halfway in the middle, it switches to Will, good Irish boy Will. <laughs> and, you know, he goes for this big bounty hunter battling stuff. But it lets him get detailed and action-packed, yet remains uh, – it retains so much of the warmth from Chris's story. It, I actually had to try to – very specifically pick out right. when it went over. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a credit to all the art team coming together to keep it very cohesive. I loved it. Fantastic story. And uh, that Greg kid, he knows them Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars. Yeah, he does. Yeah. All right. Up next is Symbiote Spider-Man number one. A big launch this week. It is written by Peter David with art by Greg Land and Jay Lyston with colors by Frank Darmada and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So this one is cool. There's like this whole... Peter Parker, Black Cat romance, which I know of, but I didn't really read it as it was happening. So this is that's a delight to get into that. And there's some really neat moments. There's a moment in here in a, in a cemetery that is sweet and, mm -hmm. and it's really warm. And, and I, I can't wait to dig more into this. A whole lot to love here. And then there's some neat back matter about the thought going into the book about including the World Trade Center in the story and in the art why they did it, how they did it, the thinking behind it all. Uh, really great book. Nice. Next up, we have Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, number 43. And this is a War of the Realms tie-in. And it's the first ever Doreen Green event tie-in issue. How about that? That is a hot piece of applesauce. Oh, yeah, it is. Is that uh, a phrase? Yeah, one million percent. Canadian phrase. You know Canadian who would phrase. love it? Ryan North would love it. He sure would. the writer. Art is by Derek Charm. Colors are by Rico Renzi and letters by 
Travis Lanham. This is so much fun for that exact reason, because in a small but maybe also not so small way, Squirrel Girl kind of has her own corner of the universe and definitely characters pop in and out. I mean, we've seen like the likes of Tony Stark, Captain America, even, you know, different characters like that jump in recently. But it's so cool to see this character involved in this massive event like this. It's even cooler for me to see Ryan North writing in this situation, writing the lights of Loki, which is just a delight. That feels like a match made in heaven to me. And a, this kind of dynamic and conversation that goes down between Squirrel Girl and Loki in here is the best. But um, yeah, it's just the, it's just the best to see this character, this creative team, which are just amazing. Some of my favorite people ever take on this giant story, get involved and have fun while doing it. Got to give two shouts to artist Derek Charm because one, there's this uh, shot of Doreen and her like a new costume, yeah, a special like cold weather costume. It looks awesome. It looks so cool. Yeah. And then the other one is just some really wonderful sight gags. If you pay attention to the background fighting that's going on when Loki and Squirrel Girl are talking, right. it is so good. I like struggled to try to. I really wanted to post about it. Yeah. But it was too like. You know, we get the books too early, and yeah. then I was like, ah, I'll just wait for the book to come out. But it's so fun, and it revolves around Spider-Man and a very unique use of his powers, right. unique use of his web shooters. So good. Also so good is Unstoppable Wasp, number six, written by Jeremy Whitley, art by Alti Fermencia, colors by Espen Grunenchern, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This was nearly another one of my picks of the week, and is my favorite issue of the run so far, I believe. Which is interesting because it focuses not on any fighting or big, you know, physical action, but totally on relationships and yeah. dialogue and the people in Nadia's life. And I think that's when Jeremy, like, he does all the action stuff great, but when he just digs in and gets into characters talking and relating and building, like, the world around them, that is where it sings. Man, it's so good. You get, like, Nadia talking with a therapist, Shay and Ying meeting Shay's mom, trying to figure out how Shay can come out and tell her mom that she's gay. And, like, that whole scene, mm -hmm. you know, it's, like, emotionally, you're, like, on pins and needles that whole time. All this drama and heart and humor, just the best real moments. There's a wonderful kiss, a great dress talk between some of the characters. And then you have any time Bobby Morris and Jenna Van Dyne are together, it is a full delight. At one point, I was like... Oh, the Goody Hero's art is a little bit different. This issue, right. like, is there a different? Is there an anchor come on? I was like, oh, Alti is on this issue, <laughs> so it, it was it's different because it is a different artist, but it retains so much of the verve and the, yeah. the excitement of Goody Hero's art. It was fantastic. Before we move on to the rest of our books for the week, we got to give a big shout out and thank you to our second advertiser this week, Freeform and Marvel's Cloak and Dagger, because. Freeform's original series, Marvel's Cloak and Dagger, is back. In season one, we met Ty and Tandy as they discovered their new superpowers. Ty can control the realm of darkness, and Tandy can shoot daggers of light from her hands. And in this new season, there are bigger issues on the horizon mm -hmm. for uh, both Cloak and a Dagger. Their need to embrace their powers and figure it out super-duper fast because, like it or not, Mayhem is coming, and Mayhem Ooh. is not Tucker. Mayhem is actually a big villainous threat this season. Don't miss season two of Marvel's Cloak and Dagger Thursdays on Freeform. 
All right, next up, we have another War of the Realms tie-in. This is War of the Realms Journey into Mystery number one. It's written by the McElroys. Uh, it's drawn by Andre Lima Araujo, colored by Chris O'Halloran, and lettered by VCs Clayton Cowles. This is... My second pick of the week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really cool, because this is the first Marvel comic by the McElroys. You know, we interviewed Travis for This Week in Marvel, and, you know, they've done so much stuff, but it's all different once you actually get into the book, get into the pages, seeing if they can handle the characters, mm -hmm. and they can. It's so much fun. So the setup to this is... Balder and Thori have to – so Balder, one of Thor's brothers and one of the gods, and Thori, who is Thor's hell dog, wonderful, wonderful sweet boy, mm -hmm. have to gather a team of heroes to help keep Odin and Freya's baby daughter safe. So it's the two of them basically figuring out who can help us keep this kid safe as the War of the Realms rages. We've got to get her out of harm's way. So it's hijinks and it's hilarity because the team is – Wild Tucker, this team is right. Deathlocket, who is a character from uh, some Avengers arcade stories. In this issue, she calls herself Deathlock 2.0. You have Miles Morales. You have Kate Bishop. You have Sebastian Druid, son of Dr. Druid, one of my favorite loser superheroes. <laughs> Love me some Dr. Druid. He's not a great sorcerer. He's a pretty good, pretty, pretty good sorcerer. Anyway, Dr. Druid was an Avenger. Take that, everybody else. Uh, but, you know, they're coming together to do all this. So it's really, really fun because it's a weird mix. Most of these characters don't really haven't connected before. And then you get to see Andre's art, who, who always a favorite of mine. I think Andre does really great facial expressions throughout. So even <laughs> there's even a moment where you see Spider-Man like react through his mask where Thori bites something's head off and he looks at the dog and he's like, whoa, and one eye lens is cocked up higher than the mm -hmm. other. It's really, really good. There's a guy freaking out at one point because Kate shoots arrows right near his junk or Kate being surprised by teleporting heroes. Everyone reacting to everything is just so much fun in this issue. And the, the McElroys seem like they're having just the best time. Yeah. They got these little jokes, big moments, great montage. There's a, a kick-ass cliffhanger page with a returning god not always a villain not always mostly not a hero sometimes a hero it's not mostly a villain <laughs> bad scary dude oh and wonder man is in the issue that's a a, mm. a piece that travis and i talk about on his this week in marvel interview loves wonder man he has some really funny funny moments with wonder man like when he's dealing with his agent is just like right. it's a lot of fun i think you guys are going <laughs> to dig it whether or not you are fans of the McElroys, I think it's it's a book to pick up. Totally. Up next is Web of Venom, Cult of Carnage, number one, written by Ferocious Frank Thierry, art by Danilo S. Beruth, colors by Andres Mosa, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This one is gross. <laughs> it is horrific. It's super messed up. There is a book from 2011 called... Carnage USA. It was written by Zeb Wells, had art by Clayton Crane, saw Carnage take over a small town, and it was nasty. This looks at what happened, what has happened to that town since, and how it connects to all the stuff that Ryan Stegman and Donny Cates are doing in Venom, and soon to be doing in Absolute Carnage. So if you're into any of those things, highly suggest you pick this up. Also, if you like Mortal Kombat, and, you know, you know, with the spines being pulled out of bodies and all that good stuff. Yeah, definitely going to want to check this out. It's a gory horror book with Misty Knight and John Jameson Manwolf guy. Uh, 
get it. Yeah, great collection of characters in that one. Uh, next up, I have Winter Soldier number five, which is my second pick of the week. It's written by Kyle Higgins with art by Rod Reese, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This is the final issue of this limited series, and I've really enjoyed it. I've loved to see how this the shape of this story has emerged because it kind of started off billed as Bucky Barnes goes around and tries to redeem people that deserve redeeming and kind of gives them a second shot, a way out of kind of having made some bad decisions. And in this issue, in the last issue a little bit, and definitely in this one, we see how that has kind of turned on its head for Bucky and it's not ended up the way that he's wanted it to. It's kind of a road to hell is paved with the best intentions kind of thing because he's this issue is pretty heartbreaking and it goes to some pretty dark places specifically thinking with rj a character that seemed to be emerging as like bucky's sidekick of his very own but then there was a kind of fracture there at the end of last issue bucky went and confronted rj's father and there was a mistake a mishap and rj's father tripped and his head and died pretty crazy i was actually i was reminded of the movie have you ever seen slow west no great western movie michael fassbender it's really 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 well done simple story great but it reminded me of that because it was just like this simple kind of dumb confrontation that changes everything so we deal with the fallout of that in this issue it's a total heartbreaker i loved the kind of boldness of a story that's just like can come in introduce you to a few characters drop a couple of bombs on you and just be like all right Deal with that. And that's that. Yeah, like I said, really enjoyed Winter Soldier and kudos to the whole team. Heck yeah. All right, my last book of the week is X-23, number 11, written by Mariko Tamaki, pencils by Diego Olortegui, inks by Walden Wong, colors by Chris O'Halloran, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. This is an issue called Dear Gabby. Mm. It makes me very nervous. The story is very concerning. I love this issue. For me. It's great. But man, this issue, like, like I just even talking about it now, I'm just like getting itchy. You know, you got Laura and, and Gabby, two characters I love and I've come to love, especially Gabby. Mm-hmm. Like Tom Taylor calls me and Lorraine <laughs> and Mariko and a couple other people like essentially a Gabby fan club. Yeah. Because we love her so much. Yeah. It's like I wanna she's one of those characters you just connect with. And you have Laura and Gabby fighting about how to proceed with all the clones that they've been finding. And, you know, Gabby wants to help them all because she's compassion. She's a child, but she she sees herself in these clones because she's a clone of a clone, essentially. And so all she wants to do is protect. And Laura wants to end all of the clone stuff because she sees that the no none of these are Gabby. These are clones who are bred to kill, to die, to whatever. She doesn't want them to have to deal with anything. She doesn't want other creatures or clones or whatever to have to deal with it. So you see the two sides of this. And then you have poor Jonathan the Wolverine caught in the middle. (laughs) Yeah. My goodness. Pinagos the Pelican makes a cameo. He does. It is all very harrowing. (laughs) You have to read this issue. Last book this week is X-Force number six. It's written by Ed Brisson with... Guest art by Damian Cusiero, colors by Eric Arseniega, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. This is a really cool continuation of this story. We're in Transia. Over the first five issues, 
it felt very much like kind of an infiltration story, uh, a race almost, to try and get into this this government organization in Transia, take out the bad guys. We get to kind of continue that story. We kind of seemed like we hit the climax of the story, but it actually feels more now like a kind of doorway. And we've entered this new realm, this new way to explore these characters. There's a really cool issue. Indeed. Tucker, what do we got for collections this week? Collections this week, we have... Avengers Epic Collection, Fear the Reaper, Avengers Masterworks Volume 19, Avenging Spider-Man, The Complete Collection, Decades Marvel in the 70s, Legion of Monsters, Iceman Volume 3, Amazing Friends, Mighty Avengers by Dan Slott, The Complete Collection, Runaways by Rainbow Rowell and Chris Anka, Volume 3, That Was Yesterday, Spider-Man Deadpool Volume 8, Road Trip, and Star Wars Volume 10, The Escape. So uh, on digital collection side, I just want to point out that we we have Avengers Academy, Avengers Arena, Avengers Undercover. They're all kind of tied together. And so the Death Locket character who is in Journey into Mystery this week, she is in, I believe, Avengers Undercover. She might also be in Avengers Arena. It's been a while since I've read any of these. So she has some cool history. And those, if you haven't picked them up, you can get them in collection on uh, the Marvel app. But there's also Marvel Unlimited with a ton of issues in here. Marvel team up some stuff from the 70s and 80s. Marvel Comics Presents has a couple of issues towards the end of the run for that series. But the things that I wanted to point out, most importantly, we have two issues of the 90s What If, late 80s, early 90s What If, that are on Marvel Unlimited this week, which are two of my favorites. First one is What If number 17, which is What If Craven the Hunter Had Killed Spider-Man, which I like... I closed my eyes. I remember exactly where I was, where I bought this. It was a place called Shopper's Village on Long Island. <laughs> and they had this little, it had like bookshelves, but it was like a candy store. Right. Inside, there's really like basically a dirt mall. <laughs> and uh, I remember buying it there and like transfixed. I've read, I have my copy of this issue from when I was a child still to this day. Nice. It's been read at least 20 times. <laughs> and then the second one on Marvel Unlimited this week is what if number 49, which is what if Silver Surfer possessed the Infinity Gauntlet? Definitely check it out. I'm so glad we're putting these on Marvel Unlimited. Kind of pisses me off because I've been spending the last year <laughs> finishing my print copies right. for the series, trying to get that full collection. But you know what? It's fine. It's all fine. <laughs> Everything's great. Everybody's having a great time here. Uh, that's it for the show this week. We'll be back with our regular stuff all next week. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. And this is Marvel. Your Universe.